Therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. A few months ago, I read an article by Dr. Connor Wood, who is from Boston University. He is a researcher in religion and how it intersects with culture and with physiology. Fascinating field. And he discussed in this article a very famous study by psychologists, two psychologists, and they looked specifically at two different subject groups. Children ages three and four, and chimpanzees. Now, some of you might think they're the same, but they're not. Both groups were taught how to open a mechanical box that had a treat placed inside of it. And in the first condition, they used an opaque box. And in the second condition, they used a transparent box. But when these researchers taught these subject groups how to open this box, they used as one of the steps an unnecessary, irrelevant step of taking a stick that was lying on the ground and tapping the box. Totally unnecessary for opening it. But they taught these two, people, these two subject groups to tap that box before it would open. Here's what happened. The children, ages three and four, carefully copied all the steps to open the box, even when they could see that the stick had no practical effect. They still used it. They copied it perfectly. They copied irrationally, or as the researchers called it, they over-imitated And instead of doing only what was necessary, they always used the stick. By contrast, the chimpanzees only over-imitated in the opaque condition. When they had the transparent box before them, they completely forgot the stick and just opened the box. Now, Dr. Wood concluded, when it comes to copying... Chimpanzees are more rational than humans. I don't disagree with him. (laughs) Uh, Now, before you get all wound up about whether monkeys or, you know, I'm not getting there. There's actually a deeper reason as to why, or at least researchers think, as to why that's the case. In fact, anthropologist Joseph Henrik points out that people throughout our history have relied on technologies so complex that they learn them and then forget to think rationally about them. That they don't need to do that. They have other things to consider and ponder and learn. And so once they've learned a habit, they stick with it. It's like the old story, the old wives' tale, the one that I thought was about my grandmother, but it apparently is common to everyone. The mother who was taking a roast out of the refrigerator and going to cook it, and she cut both ends off of it. And the little girl said, Mom, why do you cut the ends off of the roast? And she said, I don't know. My mother always did it that way. And so she called her her grandmother, and she said, Grandma, why do you always cut the ends of the roast off before you cook it? And she said, I don't know. My mother always did it that way. 
And so she called her great granny who was in the nursing home and she said, great granny, why did you cut the ends off of the roast to cook it? And she said, my pan was too small. (laughs) We get into habits of doing things and we don't really think rationally about what we're doing like these three and four-year-olds. The chimps did better than we do. When we read Paul saying to the Ephesians, be imitators of God, we might assume following each step will always get us a treat. We might even try to use a stick. But Paul didn't merely say, be imitators of God. He said, be imitators of God as beloved children. His love changes everything. His love towards us changes everything. It moves us from watching how he loves so we can copy him to receiving his love so we can join him. When you're in Christ, God relates to you not as a dictator. He's not a dictator to a subject or an employer to an employee. Or he doesn't relate to you as a mechanical box with a treat inside. He relates to you as your father. The perfect father. The father who comes to us out of tenderness and care with direction and even discipline with eternity in mind and a sovereign plan from before the foundations of the world to get us there. Scripture backs up this understanding that we teach in the Christian church that God is not just far removed the Almighty. He is the Almighty. But that God is actually our Father. Jesus himself taught us how to pray. And he didn't say, when you pray, pray, dear Lord God Almighty. He said, pray this way. Our Father, our Father who art in heaven. And John, the gospel writer, said that because of Jesus, those who chose to believe in him were given the right, the right to be called the children of God. And maybe in one of the most familial verses of the Bible, Romans 8, 15, Paul says that we have been given a spirit of sonship, adoption as sons and daughters in the family of God to the point that we actually get to call him the most intimate paternal name ever given, Abba, my father. All of this is how Paul started his letter to the church in Ephesus when he wrote in chapter 1, verses 4, 5, and 6, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us as in the Beloved. We're in. We're in the family of God. If you're in Christ, you belong. We're not orphans. We're his kids. 
He's not just the father. He's my father. He's your father. We're not left to fend for ourselves with a a stick in the hand and a treat in the box. No, we're predestined for adoption, brought into the family of God. We are image bearers of God himself. We have Christ living in us, the hope of glory, and we are being formed into a new humanity into a new community, into a new family. When we imitate God, we're doing it out of his love for us. We're his family, his beloved. And because he loves us like that, Paul says we're to be like him. Have you ever seen a kid impersonate their parent? Dad gets out his tools and goes to working around the house. The next thing you know, the little boy's got his toy hammer and he's working right alongside him. Or the mom is doing chores or taking care of the baby. The next thing you know, the little girl has her baby doll and doing the same thing with the baby that the mom is doing with her little sister. Kids don't have to be taught how to impersonate, to imitate their parents. They trust them. They're good to them. And even though our parents sometimes disappoint and fail us because we are humans, God never does. So when you read Ephesians 5.1 and Paul says, be imitators of God, don't think of it as some kind of robotic response or forced impersonation. You are not Pavlov's dog. You are God's beloved child. And that changes everything. Because he loves you like that, you're becoming more like him every day. Now what does verse 2 say? Paul continues, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering. And sacrifice to God. Tim Keller points out that Paul didn't say sprint in love. He said walk in love. We probably all have moments where we can sprint in love. Those, those short bursts of affections to get us past the finish line with somebody we love and care about. Well, I can love anybody for a day. But sprints are over too soon. They're over in a hurry. They don't last long. And the kind of love we're called to walk in shouldn't be sporadic and short-lived. It should be natural and consistent daily. Anyone can love on occasion. Anybody can muster up enough of an affection to, to exemplify love towards that person for a little while. But... Can you love on a constant basis? Especially when you know that humanity is so inclined to walk in other ways. He says walk in love. We're so inclined to walk in other ways, like anger, like frustration, like self-promotion, like confusion or angst or hatred or bitterness or ambition, selfishness. Humanity walks in all sorts of ways, but Paul says 
We're to walk in love as Christ loved us. It's the kind of love uh, that Paul described to the church in Corinth. You know this famous verse, these verses. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient and kind. Well, I might as well stop right there. Let's just have an altar call. Chris needs to repent. All those impatient, please, no, don't raise your hands. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. (laughs) It's not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, hopes, excuse me, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. You know, every time I read this description of love, what it is and what it's not, I have to admit to you, I come up a little short. When I start taking inventory as to how I'm doing, like Emily said earlier, I can't love the way I should. I don't love the way I should. I'm embarrassed to say of all the places that I don't exhibit love, but rather (laughs) irritability, frustration, keeping a list of wrongs, wanting to be at 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 the forefront of everybody's thinking. Don't they know who I am? Boastful, proud, not patient, not kind. How many times do I only let one thing happen? I won't bear it all. How many times do I, I endure only one little grievance? I won't endure them all. How many times will I hope for only one better result? I won't pray and endure for them all. This is... Not an option for a Christian to walk any other way except in these places of love consistently, constantly. Jesus said to his disciples, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples. By your love for one another. Our determining characteristic as believers is not our political affiliation. It's not our adherence to a moral code. It's not our self-righteously pointing out where everybody else is going wrong. Those things are more like Pharisees than they are like disciples. They will know us by our love. And Jesus himself is our example, the perfect example of love. He loved us and, and Paul says he gave himself up for us. Or as John Stott put it, what dominated his mind was not the living, but the giving of his life. Jesus gave himself up for us, but it became a fragrant offering to God. Isn't that beautiful? Do you see what's happening? Josh reminded us that we're to love God and to love our our neighbors as ourselves. That there is a a vertical aspect of this relationship that it translates to a horizontal interaction on our part with others. 
This is the pattern for love for each of us. We, we can't love like Christ in the atoning way. Only he can do that. But we can learn this horizontal, vertical pattern for how we love. Where we, where we are pleasing to God. Where it's a pleasing aroma, a fragrant scent to him. It's a sacrifice before him. Because we are practically and generously loving others. It's playing out there and it gets displayed to him as worship. Wow, only God could do something like that. And it's all made possible, as we've already heard, by the Holy Spirit that's living inside of us. No other thing can make this come true. And it is a process that we're undergoing day in and day out, being changed from one glory into the next glory. We're becoming more like him as we fix our eyes upon him. He is making us a new human. He is sanctifying us for the day that we will be with him, glorified in his presence, the glorious king that we serve. All is made possible by the Spirit. Like when the Holy Spirit filled Corey Ten Boom that Emily mentioned. What a powerful visualization of having to get past the impossible to get past. And Corey knew she couldn't do it on her own, but she, if she could just lift her hand, she said, Jesus, help me. And then the description that Emily read where the surge went from her shoulder down her arm and into the, the grasping hands. It reminds me of another amazing woman of God, Amy Carmichael. There's a picture of her. Amy Carmichael exemplified this type of love for over five decades. She was a missionary in India and founded the Donovore Fellowship, which is still ongoing today, though she died in the 50s, 1950s. This fellowship became a refuge for thousands, tens of thousands of children, many who had been forced into prostitution in the temples of India. Donovore Fellowship continues to this day, and Carmichael was famous for saying this line, one can give without loving, but one cannot love without giving. He gave. He gave. If you want to know if you're being loving, ask yourself if you've have, had to give anything. Is it required anything of you? If you've not had to expend energy, time, resources, emotional stuff, if you've not had to give of yourself it's not love. He gave. That's Paul's command that he gives to us. To be imitators of God as his beloved children. It's the only way we can. Otherwise, we're just habitually doing something that amounts to nothing. But no, we get to love God because he loved us. And now we get to become more like him, imitating what he has done for us to others. And we're to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, which is a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. 
It's the pattern by which we're to love others. I want to close with Emily's words that she closed with in the video that introduced this message. She said, The truth is, I can't love my enemies. I can't love anyone, not my friends, not my family, unconditionally, the way Jesus called me to. But the truth is also that he is powerful enough and loving enough to be able to change me and to cause his divine spirit to flow through me. I can turn to him and say, I trust you more and love you more than the hurt. I love you more than my own life. And I lay down my will and reach out my hand to this person. And then I find that his power wells up in me and he changes me. His love for them benefits them and it benefits me and it heals me too. I know this is a miracle in my life because nobody and nothing else can change me the way he can. May that be our reality in these days. That the world may know that we are his disciples because we're beloved because of our love for one another. Amen. Amen. The message for Ephesians 5 says, watch what God does and then you do it like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn his life of love. Observe how Christ has loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. So love like that. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Go after a life of love as if your life depended on it, because it does. Keep your eyes open, hold tight to your convictions, give it all you've got, be resolute, and love without stopping. Father, we can do nothing in response to your extravagant love other than to throw open our arms and receive it and to ask you to increase our capacity to understand your love so that it can transform us into people who can love others. We recognize that without the Holy Spirit, even understanding love is impossible, much less living it. So we thank you for the helper. We receive the advocate that teaches us who love is and how to love like you do. Father, help us to be known for our love. There's a lot of things the church is known for today. Mm. Most of it just doesn't count. There's a lot of angst that we feel towards the people of God these days. We feel like we're losing ground. We feel like we've 
been turned upon by culture. We feel like we've been rejected and what we believe for has been turned out. But if there's anyone that could understand that kind of rejection, it's you. And you still loved. You still lived in to all that was happening. You still forgave. Lord, help us to do that. Not to rail. Not to pound our fist. Not to declare the truth loudly, hoping that somehow we'll convince them if we yell it loud enough. But help us to love. To love because we are loved. Help us to imitate you, the image bearers of God, that we would love so fiercely that people would wonder why. And they would ask, why do you love this way? Why do you have such hope? And we'd be able to give defense in that moment of the hope that is within us. God, if you gave such clear words for us, that we should imitate you because you loved us and gave yourself for us. Lord, we want to take that seriously. And we recommit our lives to you to do that today. We recommit ourselves. We look at that list in 1 Corinthians 13 and we confess to you, we don't do it well. We don't measure up. But we continue to look to you and receive your love which transforms us and to your disciples who love each other. Help us as a church community to love in this community, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools, right here in Lawrenceville and throughout the Gwinnett County area. Help us be known, Covenant Life Church. I know that group of people. They love each other so well, and they love God so fiercely. And I pray that that would be the, the markation, the demarcation of who we are. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.